Welcome back to the Diet Riot Podcast with Alyssa Miller and Brooke Miller, both dietitians, both moms, both Millers, both from the Midwest, both live in Colorado. Yeah, that's we about it. it. Wait, did we say dietitians? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> then we nailed it. We're getting so good at this. Maybe by year two, we can actually yeah. have it under control. <laughs> For real. Um, today, guys, we have a special guest. Whoop, whoop. We know you guys love guests. Um, this topic will probably be a little bit more centered around being a parent and a mom. But mom if you're life. not a mom yet, this could definitely apply to you. And we will touch on being good examples for others around us. So that includes roommates, spouses, um, and anybody else that you totally interact with. Applicable. So it is applicable to everybody. But we've got Katie here from The Nourished Mom on Instagram. So we're going to send it over to her. And Katie, can you tell our guests, A, who you are, where they can find you, and then also kind of give us your background and your journey to where you're at now with intuitive eating and how you came to helping moms the way that you do? Yeah. So I'm Katie Massman. I am a wife, a mom of a two-year-old, and a registered dietitian. Um, and I wear a few different hats. So I say by day, I'm a dietitian at a very large school system in Tennessee, and I work solely in um, employee wellness and also student health. I just took on that role as well. But by night, I um, have my own private practice helping moms um, reach their health goals, feel energized and confident all without dieting, which is what brings me here to you all. Um, I would say like my journey to getting here, there's a lot of things that had to align for me. I started out um, in college as an exercise science major and I actually graduated. Same. I'm yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a certified exercise physiologist. I don't talk about it a lot, but I am. And um through that, at the end of graduation, um, my professor, who I worked for, gave me, gifted me the book Intuitive Eating. And he, it was so oh, that's cool. Yeah, he reached out to a former student who he knew was a dietitian. And I had already known that I wanted to be a, a dietitian before I graduated, and I was going on to do that later. Um, but he reached out to her and asked her for book recommendations, and she recommended Intuitive Eating. So it really just started my whole obsession with intuitive eating and nutrition in general. But I really didn't like revisit it until, you know, after my internship. Um, but growing up, my family members, specifically my sister, um, had a lot of issues with her metabolism after a brain tumor. Mm. And it affected... Um, her, her, all of her health, even still today, but it affected the way that she's able to um, manage weight. <laughs> and doctors then, you know, told my parents, "Well, you know, you'll have to, you'll have to help her watch her weight, mm -hmm. and um, you may have to restrict things for her. She needs to exercise, all those things." So it just kind of growing up, I was around that mentality in some ways. Um, and then, of course, other family members as well, specifically my grandmother, um, definitely had body image 
issues. And I think all of those things just like piling up and then becoming a mom <laughs> and all totally. of that and what that entails and those body changes and that expectation to. Oh, no, we're kind of losing. Yeah. <laughs> Can you hear us? Hello. Uh Oh, don, don, don. <laughs> Katie. Sorry, go ahead. So we cut out on you kind of talking about after becoming a mom, right? Mm hmm. Yeah, so after becoming a mom, just um, like the the pressure that I felt, like the body changes that I felt and that need, I don't know if it's a societal pressure or just on myself, that need to like bounce back. I hate that totally. phrase. That, that term. The <laughs> worst. It's the worst. And I don't think I noticed that until, you know, until I became a mom, how awful that term is. Yeah, it's so but, normalized. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is. And so I had been working like in the intuitive eating realm with my clients um, and my day job. But after becoming a mom, it just gave me this whole new perspective on what that meant for me and what that means for my child as well. And so yeah. that's that's how I'm here. <laughs> So awesome. So, okay. So you got your degree in exercise science uh -huh. and then did you go back to get another bachelor's degree or did I you do did. like a master's? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I did it all Dang. in five years, but yeah. Oh, oh awesome. really? Mm -hmm. I didn't. Okay. That's, that's embarrassing for me, but <laughs> good for you. Well, <laughs> and, then embarrassing. My, and then the internship. No so it was six years total, but I did my that's first awesome. one in three years. I had a lot of credits from high school taking dual enrollment. So. Oh, oh awesome. you can do that? Yeah. Yeah. Like AP classes. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I failed one AP test, so you don't English. get credit for failing. <laughs> I, I, I hate grammar. I hated it. I AP hated classes. AP English. Oof. Sorry, I guys. I like AP science and math. And then I, I was like, I hate this. And then I started as an art major because I hated science and math. And now look at me now. I'm back at science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. That's what I love. Yeah, seriously. Well, that's really cool. And then you decided to create the Nourished Mom, right, yes. on Instagram. And that's pretty cool. So you help moms there. Um, I would definitely recommend following her. She's super helpful. I was telling Brooke right before we started recording about your, like, intuitive eating. Like, you do, um, what's that called? Like a ebook. No, no, no. Like a, on Instagram, you like go through all the principles. You've done it like I think twice oh, now. Like a and series. it's so helpful. A series. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Those are the words I'm looking for. Yeah. An intuitive eating series and talking about all the principles of intuitive eating, which is so great and so helpful. Yeah. Brooke and I started this podcast thinking we would do each principle. We've gotten through most of them. Yeah, most of them, but not all of them. Just yeah. every episode's like a culmination of everything. Right. So um, what do you recommend usually for moms specifically, like where to start? Like if they have a tough relationship with food, and obviously we have children that we're trying to like model good behavior around food, where do you kind of want them to start their journey usually? You know, so I, she mentioned the ebook um, and I, the way I created that was in kind of thinking through, well, if I was coaching someone, where would I start? And like, mm -hmm. what, how do you have to like set yourself up for success? And so it might be out of order um, with totally. the intuiting book, but mm -hmm. um, I say first working on body respect mm -hmm. and like putting Ooh, that awesome. Good into, one. into perspective. Um, I like the question, like instead of how can I change my body, how can I care for my body? Mm -hmm. And Love that, that helps yeah. set up this per perspective of, and just the intuitive eating in general. After that, kind of everything else follows. So first the body respect, body beliefs, that kind of thing, and then food-related stuff after. 
Mm -hmm. I love that. And that kind of goes along with your name too, like nourishing your body and like caring for it and really giving it like the love and respect that it deserves. And then you're right. Everything kind of follows from there because when you put everything through that lens of actually taking care of your body and nourishing your body and respecting it, Mm -hmm. then how can you make choices like going on a super restrictive diet, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? So that's really interesting. Yeah, And actually, I just, I'm trying to look up the name of the podcast because I forgot it because I don't know. I'm a mom, <laughs> mom brain. Mom brain. Um, I think it's uh, 10% happier. Oh, yeah. I, I listened to that today. <laughs> Did you? With Evelyn Tripoli? Yes. Okay. She was I, on. I didn't listen to the whole thing yet. It's I'm it's halfway long. through. It's yeah, so it's good. It's a very though. long episode. It was such a good episode. And she talked about um, kind of what you just said is like, it's okay to go out of order. Like in a book, you have to go in order and like have Reading a protocol. Order, yeah, exactly. But she was kind of okay. like, you have to meet people where they're at. And right. it, it's not the same for everybody. So even within like the mom life group, we all might be struggling more with different things. But I love the idea of starting with that like body positivity and like even just body neutral, like mm-hmm. taking away the negativity around your body. Yeah, which just acceptance of where you're at yeah. and where you're supposed to be. You know? Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've, I found yeah. it's kind of hard in the mom life community when you're trying to relate to another mom and like make a mom friend. It's really easy to dog on yourself and your body and like, oh, yeah, I'm no longer running anymore. I don't have time for that. Or, you know, like you kind of like beat yourself up as a way of like making friends with another mom because <laughs> you can both relate to that. And I think that's really hard is like in our verbiage and the way that we talk to each other, we can almost beat each other up to make a friend. (laughs) That's really sad. Well, and we all like, especially being moms, like we all struggle with different things that we can relate to, like lack of sleep and feeding your baby. And like, there's other things that we can relate to that we're struggling with that doesn't have to be about our body or body image. Right. Um, so I think it's great to focus on other things like, Hey, I'm really struggling with lack of sleep. What are you doing? Um, and then kind of go from there. Um, I also read somewhere recently where um, a mom was saying that she was complaining about her body and how she wasn't like bouncing back after pregnancy. And when she was complaining about not bouncing back after pregnancy, she realized that her dogging on herself actually was bringing down the other mom because the other mom totally was like further behind. Like she was like only a few weeks postpartum and this mom who was complaining about her body was six months postpartum. Mm -hmm. So it's like you actually like complaining about your body. You could actually be making the person next to you feeling feel way worse because they're, you know, even not as far along on their journey as you. So yeah, definitely. I think the body positivity and respecting your body. So very important. That's a great first step, I think. Right. And I think too, and maybe Katie, you can kind of chime in here about this, but talking that way about your body in front of your children, can Mm -hmm. we just talk for a second how important it is to protect our kids from falling into the diet culture trap that we may all have fallen into or dipped our toes into? So can you talk a little bit about how moms can kind of avoid that trap? Yeah. So, um, I just recently was talking, I think on social media about, or I had a post, I think just about this topic and how important it is for, you know, we all want like what's best for our children. And we all probably would like them to have that like healthy relationship with food and their body and things. But in order for us to teach that, we kind of have to do it ourselves and really believe in it. Um, so 
Yeah, I, I think first we have to practice that ourselves, and that's what I why I do what I do. Um, but our kids are just learning from us so much. I right. remember, I remember, and this is, I think I mentioned this before, family members, not even my, not necessarily my mom. Um, she didn't really struggle with a lot of that, but my sister or even my grandmother, whoever, um, the way that they spoke about their bodies or the way that other people spoke about their bodies. Oh, yeah. Um, I noticed that and it did make me feel insecure in some ways about my own body that kind of rubbed off on me. And then I was paying attention from a young age about and being insecure about what my body looked like through grade school and things. So it's yeah, I so, think so, so important. The eating disorder um, like organization, they put out their research that they find and it's like, I think it's 75% of girls are dieting or want to lose weight by age eight. Mm-hmm. That is insane. I mean, they haven't even hit puberty yet and they're already struggling with like these thoughts of I need to start losing weight or I need to be on a diet. And I've definitely seen that in people in my life. Just the things that you say are affecting your kids and you may not realize it. And and this is why. So my other account, my mom and me RD account, I really love and have a passion talking to moms about how to feed their kids, how to preserve their intuitive eating behaviors. Um, and I love doing that. But I say all the time, like, it doesn't matter if you say all the quote unquote right things or do all the right things or provide the right foods or help them with their picky eating or not. If you're not modeling a good behavior with nutrition and or movement and just with your body and that body respect, you can do all the right things and your kid's still going to follow suit. Yeah. <laughs> and that that sucks in a way because it's such a monumental hill for some of us to actually climb up and and take back control of our relationship with food. And, um, but it's so, so important for our kids because we can do all the right things and provide them with all the right food and the right tools. But if we're not sitting down next to them, eating the same foods they are, if we're talking about foods, even just in front of them, not even necessarily to them of mama can't eat that. That's unhealthy for me, or I'm not eating that right now, or that makes me fat or things like that. Kids pick up on that. And it's, it's really hard to watch that happen. Right. And I think the scary part is, is we can model all the good things at home, like Alyssa just said, but our kids are still going to be surrounded by that at school or like our daughters in college or our friends in college, like our friends and family are still going to be surrounded by diet talk. And so I think even like really, really ingraining that into our kids' heads at a young age is so important so that when they do get into school and they hear their friends talking about wanting to join a diet, they know how to react to that. They know how to ignore the diet talk or or know that they don't need a diet, know that they don't need to go on a diet. Um, but I think that it's so important because it's not just our household that our kids are a part of. They're a part of school. They're a part of school. They're a part of so many other things and groups. So it's very important to protect our kids. Yeah. And have like a stable environment, at least in one place, you know, mm -hmm. if that can be home for them to have a stable environment that's inclusive of all weights and not talking about dieting and unhealthy and healthy foods. And, you know, at least they have that at one place. Yeah. Do you have any comments on that about just what you guys do in your home and then what you kind of prepare your, your child for when they go out? I know that he's pretty young, right? Yeah, he's super young, so he doesn't really understand. Like, if I were to say something about my right. own body, he would be like, uh -huh. whatever. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But um, even just, like, at the dinner table and the way that we say um, in it, like, we don't necessarily 
encourage him to eat like certain foods or make him eat certain foods. We keep it very neutral and very relaxed. And what I offer him is what he gets. And if he eats it, that's his choice. Um, and we both, my husband and I really try to keep that, that neutrality at the dinner table, at every meal. And we really try to, to talk with our other family members because my parents um, were fairly proactive and easygoing at the dinner table. So they didn't like necessarily tell me I needed to finish my whole plate or make me eat anything. Um, but my husband grew up just slightly differently from that. And so together, you know, all family members, when we go places, we have to talk about, Hey, we don't, you know, we don't make him eat that. He doesn't have to finish his plate. Please don't like try to shove food in his totally. face, that kind of a thing so that we can, you know, slowly help him, um, maintain his intuitive abilities. Sure. That's so important. And I think, I think that's actually really great for us too, as practice, like, you know, intuitive eating is not a one and done, like, oh, I'm an intuitive eater now and just forever. <laughs> it's something we have to maintain and really focus on. And so sometimes I mm -hmm. actually recommend to people like treat your body and yourself and your your idea around food like you're on vacation, like you are pregnant or like you're talking to a child or your best friend or someone that you really love and care about. It's such good practice for us to remember, too, that food is neutral. It's OK. Like that's not just something we're saying for our kids. That's something we need to internalize over and over again. And of course, just like parenting, but with intuitive eating, kids can often trigger our like food rules that we didn't know we had, right? I mean, it's like the right. other night we had friends over and we were eating chips and they were just on the table. And um, this girl who was over, a friend of mine's daughter, was just eating these chips. I mean, no one was able to eat any of them and just eating them, eating them, eating them. And her mom goes, oh, I'm so sorry. We just never give her chips. And it's like... Right. And that this That's is what why. I expect. <laughs> this is exactly what I expect yeah. when someone isn't, you know, given those or around it. Yeah, totally. And I think um, someone else I follow on Instagram who I really admire, she once said, have you ever thought that your kid needs more access to sugar, not less? And I, I was like dumbfounded yeah. by that because it's like, I'm not a big proponent of like sugar at every meal and, you know, sweets with everything, but it is that idea of like the more we restrict, restrict it and we see this in ourselves as adults, the more we crave it and want it. Well, that's true of kids too. Right. <laughs> so that's, that's super important. I'm, right. you know, I'm a big proponent of that. And I, I think we cut out earlier, but I was just saying that you can do all the right things and say all the right things and give your kids the opportunity. But if you're not modeling that behavior, Almost mm -hmm. all that goes out the window, you know, which is really unfortunate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I was thinking um, this week just of a good example. When you talk about like having dessert or having that sugar and the recommendation to serve it with the meal instead of after. Right. And how that's not just um, great for kids. It's also good for totally. adults, mm -hmm. too. And something I would totally recommend, especially if you're trying to um, – heal that relationship with food and that's something that you sweets or something that or, which is very normal and people are trying to do that um when you're trying to heal a relationship with food it's it's good to practice those same concepts that you would practice with your child mm -hmm. yeah it's helpful as well one mm -hmm. post oh go I, ahead go ahead i was just gonna say um i've had a client of sorts and he was a he's a dad and 
his way of eating is fairly strict. I wasn't necessarily working with him. Um, he came to a class that I was doing on family nutrition. And his daughter was hiding food. And that's why he came, because he was worried about her. And this was a class for family nutrition and developing healthy, competent eaters, that kind of thing. And um, he was so surprised to hear to put that dessert or serve dessert more often. And so it's the same concept as that. But he probably could have used the same um, thing for himself. But yeah, it it's it's helpful to think of it that way and to practice it because she was learning from him. Yeah, totally. And she's probably, you know, has some feelings of embarrassment or shame that she wants these foods that her dad won't eat or can't eat or, you know, is bad for eating. And then, you know, they, oh, yeah. they project that on themselves. And it's, it's really sad when you can see it clearly. But as a parent, um, sometimes if you're like, oh, my kid doesn't eat dessert, you a lot of parents get this feeling of like superiority. Yeah, like pride. Yeah. I'm so good because my kid doesn't eat sugar like your kid eats sugar. Totally. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you're not a better parent. And guess what? When they come over to my house and you leave, (laughs) they're going to binge. (laughs) They're going to eat all the sugar. (laughs) Exactly. Our cabinet's going to be empty. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I don't mean to laugh. It's where I was. I mean, with my son when he was first born and like definitely for his first 18 months about, we didn't give him any sugar and kids that young don't need sugar and they don't realize what it is but once they start to become aware of it and even in those first like six months to a year of him having like sweets and desserts I myself found myself saying okay just one you know and I've had to do a lot of learning and that's what I was saying earlier is like what's triggering for you you know to watch your kid eat two whole cupcakes can be very triggering because you're like they're so tiny that's you know how do they eat they're not they're gonna be too full to eat real food yeah yeah and I also want to encourage anyone listening like hey their bodies are actually functioning better than ours yeah, <laughs> their oh, insulin yeah. response to sugar is much better and faster <laughs> than ours so actually they can probably handle it oh, yeah. <laughs> better in their body than we can and sometimes but um you know really giving them that space and and remembering that you're here to guide them not control them um, around food but that goes for you know every other part of parenting too yeah and I loved one of my favorite posts that you did was, um, it's called what makes you a good mom. These do and these don't. But I think why I love it so much is it because it relates to so many aspects. So it could, you could say the same thing. What makes you a good spouse? What makes you a good friend? What makes you a good sister or brother? And that's why I love it so much. So what makes you a good mom? These don't your body size or your weight, like your body size does not make you any less or better of a friend or a mom or a sister, um, your appearance, um, what you eat, the amount of money you spend on somebody, how many likes you get on social media. I love that because you're right. Like those things don't make us a better person, a better mom, a better parent, a better spouse. Um, but these things do, and this goes for anything like being present in your relationships makes you a better friend or spouse, listening, showing love, being kind and empathetic. Um, it makes you a better coworker. I mean, like literally it makes you a better person. So I love that because that's so relatable to everybody. Of course, it's very relatable as a parent, but um, I just love that because it's, it's a very good reminder for all of us that what really is important is how we are on the inside and not what we look like on the outside. Um, and again, like nourishing our bodies with, with good food that makes us feel good is so much more important than just restricting our body to make it look a certain way. So I love that post and you have a lot of really good posts on there. So 
You guys should all follow her Thank if you. you don't already. Yeah, your post, you're very, um, you know, I, I obviously met you on Instagram. And so we've never met in real life, but you're yeah. so empathetic and so loving. And you come at it with such like a kindness to you over, especially your stories are just so kind. And like, you're welcome here wherever you're at. And I always kind of try to walk this fine line of like, I want to teach you how to talk to your kids about food without shaming you because it's so hard to look at a post that like, let's say I post that's towards how to treat your kids around food and say, Oh man, like the other day I posted this thing that was like, instead of saying great job, you finished your whole plate or whatever, instead of saying that, which is using praise instead, go ahead and say you finished your whole plate. It's more of an, you know, an observation around food. Well, so many moms came to me and they're just like, Oh man, I feel so bad. I've always said that. Me too. Me too. Yeah, we've you know, all done we've it. We've all done it. That's exactly. Exhausting. It's like yeah. Inherent. We see them do something and we praise our kids all the time, but especially around food. Like, that's my point is like, I'm just bringing awareness. I'm not saying you can't say this or you shouldn't, but like, you should try to focus on the the way that you're talking about a food is affecting their inner voice around food. And so what I love about your account and what you're doing with moms is you're taking that shame and guilt and fear and, you know, their relationship with food that's disordered off. And then hopefully they can work with someone like me that, okay, now how do I relate this to my kid? Because although a lot of it is crossover, there's a lot of it that's different. The nuances of nutrition is very difficult to teach to a two and a half year old of, you know, different vitamins (laughs) and minerals. But as adults, once we get to that stage of intuitive eating of gentle nutrition, we can really comprehend that and understand that without bringing in food rules and shame and guilt. So I just, I get so pumped when I see accounts like yours teaching parents how to drop the shame and the guilt and the feelings of Uh, like being out of control around food, because then if we can take that and stop the cycle, because that's, that's really where it's coming from, is this cycle of like perpetuating diet culture. And sometimes within Mm -hmm. our own family, if we can stop that and teach our kids a different way, in a monumental way, like, that is so huge. And I was just talking to my husband, like, we only really I mean, let's say we're super controlling around what our kids eat. Let's say we tell them, don't eat this, eat this. You can't have cupcakes. You can't have this. You can't go to the birthday party because of that. Blah, 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 blah. Let's say we're really controlling. How many years do we get that kind of control? Mm-hmm. Right. Seven? Not May- many. I mean, yeah. maybe seven between the ages of like zero and seven years old. And then they start going to school and going to birthday parties on their own. And like, and then they start making all these choices behind our back. We don't know. Maybe they're hiding food. But maybe. Maybe let's say for some weird reason, we have such control that we can control till 17, 18 years of age till they go off to college. Okay, hopefully they're going to live another, you know, 60, 80 years. (laughs) So is this really like how we want to spend their formative years is controlling just for them to go and like not have any idea how to treat themselves around food? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just absolutely. thought that was so like mind blowing. So to have people out there, hopefully stopping this cycle is so monumental. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't I did a post solely on that because, you know, I talked about my grandmother before, but I could just see it from my grandmother to my aunts to my cousins. Um, all all of us were affected in that way. And it just trickles down the beliefs and it's not always um, super like out there and noticeable. So I'm trying to say, but it's important to stop that cycle. And I think I'm doing that in my own home now. And I'm hoping, 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 um, the whole point of doing the nourished mom is to help people live with more joy. And that's what I really, really want for everyone. 
but to also stop that dieting cycle and the bad body beliefs and the food beliefs and rules and all that stuff for their kids. Totally. And how liberating. So they never have to go through that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how liberating to like, look at your life now, if you're struggling with food or it's a, you know, constant talking point with your friends and your family and what diet you're on now and blah, 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 blah. How liberating is that to then be joyful around food and have food freedom and just the 180 difference that that does in your life. Like, I don't think you can fully grasp it until you're there, until you've started it. Because so, you know, I, I don't know if you get much pushback, but I definitely get a lot of pushback from moms and, and they're worried about their kids or they're worried about their health and they're worried about, you know, getting diabetes or getting all these mm-hmm. things that have been fear mongered into us thinking that it's all controllable somehow, which it's absolutely a lot of it. Absolutely right. Like people not. who eat a plant based diet still can get cancer. Totally. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just like <laughs> yeah. none of us are immune. Not- to cancer and other things like anybody can get it. Yeah. Well, no one wants to believe that genetics have as much control over our bodies as they do. Everyone wants to, wants to Mm -hmm. act like we have control and we can just harness it. And if we can just put together the right foods in the right order, we're going to be cancer free and we're live to 150 and blah, 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 blah. blah. And it's like, no one wants to admit that they're out of control (laughs) of their (laughs) life, but, um, you really are. So why not ride that wave with joy and energy and intention and excitement instead of focusing on things that who know, you know, who knows what that outcome is in your body. So Right. Nutrition can do a lot of things, but it doesn't do everything. Exactly. Yeah. 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 We've talked about like the food is medicine mentality and it's like, yeah, to a point, but like we can't necessarily like if it was things. Yeah. We couldn't cure every disease state on Mm -hmm. the planet with just nutrition. Like it can be a good aspect of it, but it's not going to, it's not the full picture of your genetics and your body. I, I mean, yeah. So. Yeah, we've seen people say food is either medicine or poison. You choose. And it's like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> this is a false middle ground. Swing. <laughs> exactly. And it's depending yeah. who you talk to. I mean, there are people out there that believe bananas are so bad for I mean, you're going to get I've seen like ads about belly fat because of bananas. And then you get other people that are like, <laughs> I eat a banana a day because it's so healthy. It's like, OK, who's right in this? Scenario? There's like, like this v- vegan <laughs> banana girl out there and she eats like a b- billion bananas a day. I don't know how many, like a lot. And her diet's literally all bananas. So, yeah, there are extremes, guys. There's <laughs> there extremes. Are. Let's stay away from extremes in all yes. areas of life. I bet that girl gets invited to zero dinner parties. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to. Here's your banana. Good luck, Sherry. I don't but know. That's all she that. brings. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Just a bunch. Yeah. Of she just brings bananas for everybody. Sorry, guys. I didn't have time to, oh to cook anything. That's so hilarious can you imagine showing up to a potluck with just bananas <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna do that next time a huge i wanted to bring a healthy snack oh you bring bananas <laughs> in different ways like these yes. ones are cut up i boiled these ones these ones are frozen these ones yeah <laughs> here's some yeah, nice cream you can make yes. some nice oh cream. yes nice cream with bananas <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. So sorry to circle back. (laughs) We love getting off on tangents and stuff like this, but um, Uh we can talk for hours, which is literally why we started a podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, So while you're working with moms, how how long do you typically I know everyone's really different, but like how long until you start seeing, you know, a good response from people of like, 
okay, this is actually working for me and I feel great because we've talked about a lot on this podcast, this roller coaster of like fear mentality coming in with intuitive eating because they, they take it on and they're excited about it and then they go and binge on 15 bags of Doritos because that's the food they were never allowed to have. And like, then they come to you probably and they're like, this isn't working. I can't be, I can't be trusted around food. Da, 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 da. So right. how long do you typically see that kind of play out with any clients of yours or with yourself even? Yeah. So I would say there's kind of two different things. So one thing is that with intuitive eating, I like to ask people to take it kind of day to day. Like ask yourself, what's going to help you feel good today or in this moment? And food is, our bodies are responsive to food almost immediately. So Mm -hmm. you can see some results of some of sorts right away or in that day or whatever when you make those decisions but the longevity of it and really going through the whole process of intuitive eating and since it's not something to ever be like mastered exactly you have to keep going and going and going and choosing that every day it takes months Mm -hmm. or years it really Mm -hmm. just uh, depends but I'm so glad you said at least a few months (laughs) right it could definitely be years especially if there's been so many years that you've been in that diet mode, Mm -hmm. diet mentality, um, just completely absorbed in that. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is how long did you have an eating disorder, like a clinical eating disorder? (laughs) Did you have disordered eating? Were you Mm -hmm. not really into fad diets? Were you a chronic dieter? And then I think a lot of the recovery process is who are you surrounding yourself with? Are other people in your home dieting? Like if you're in high school and your mom's chronically dieting and you're trying to get on this journey, but she's not on board. I mean, how hard is that? Or you have a college roommate, like who is very um, into diet culture and obsessed with that. Like I've lived with people that um, just like have a different perspective of dieting. Like I've had a roommate where, it was very talked about like body size and going to the gym and working out and how many calories were burning. And, and I, I literally felt guilt for not going to the gym some days because I would get that guilt from somebody else inside my house. And so, um, I think a lot of it is just, you know, who you surround yourself with. And if you're surrounding yourself with positive people who understand this journey, or at least are trying to understand it and are supportive, I think your success is going to be way faster than somebody who's like really dealing with that diet culture BS all the time every day in your home. I mean, that's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said it takes a while because, you know, so many diets out there tout these things of like seven days, 12 days, 30 days to this, this (laughs) 21 day fix. (laughs) Totally. And it's like, guys, shortcuts don't work. Mm -hmm. You know, shortcuts don't work. How many times can you look back in your life and go, oh, that shortcut really just got me there. Stuck with me for life. Whether it's dieting or schoolwork or whatever, it's like shortcuts do not work. So we need to invest in ourselves, honor our bodies and ourselves long enough to make a lasting impact. And, you know, Brooke and I do talk about this roller coaster and this pendulum swing of once you start intuitive eating, there is a lot of fear. And we've been restricting ourselves a lot of times for so long or so afraid of certain foods that you do go through the cycle typically of binging or giving yourself permission to eat foods. And then you do. Now that may take time for you to actually um, 
then realize that you don't even like Doritos or whatever the food is for you. Um, and then you kind of actually are able to level out and that pendulum start stops swinging so much and it's, it's very slow. But then also, um, and we've talked about this on a recent podcast is it, you're never done working at being an intuitive eater. So even though you can feel like an intuitive eater day in and day out, there's still small moments in time that you realize that you're holding on to a food rule still mm-hmm. that you didn't even realize. <laughs> so those things can still pop up months, years later um, that kind of bring you back to a place of, oh, there is still something I need to be working on. Um, and that can be really surprising to people. But also I think it's encouraging that it's not like, okay, seven days, you know, or 30 day detox or whatever that might be. It's also kind of encouraging to know that if I actually put in the time and put in the work, this is actually going to feel really good long term. And it's the last, the last thing you're ever going to need. Well, it's like learning anything. I mean, look at college. Like you can't just, you can't know everything you need for a, a job out of college with just taking a week long course. Like, yeah, you could get some sort of certification, but like just becoming an RD, for instance, like we couldn't just take a week long course and know everything that we know to become a dietitian. Like it took over four years of college and an internship and all of these experiences. Like you can't rush learning certain things. So because it all builds on each other. Yes, exactly. And stuff you don't even think is relevant later in life. You're like, oh, actually that is relevant. Really was. And that's intuitive eating. It all builds on each other. Every opportunity you're faced with eating something is another um, experiment that you get to put in your pocket of learning how your body responds. So all that builds up on each other over time, which is just incredible. No diet does that for you. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I'm a dietitian and I, and I teach intuitive eating and I'm still learning totally how to use it for myself. And so it just takes patience and curiosity and time Mm -hmm. to really develop those skills. Perfect. Well, do you have any like last minute tips, tricks, or just anything else that you wanted to bring up? Um, And then after that, can you let us all know where we can find you? Yeah. Um, One of the things I talked about recently with someone is expecting imperfection especially as a mom who's trying trying to learn intuitive eating skills because it's not like we have alone time or a lot of time to pay attention and give ourselves that that care and that time to really hone in on those skills. Mm -hmm. But we can be intentional about it, but it's never going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something people struggle with is, you know, they go for like a – a diet or a regimen of some sort because it's something they can follow and it seems easy, I guess, in some ways. And it doesn't work. <laughs> but there's like this perfectionism thing there. If I follow this, then I'm doing great. You know, I, it's, it's I'm perfect or it's perfect. But with intuitive eating, it's just, it's never going to be perfect. It's always, always a learning process. And especially when you're a mom, you just have to do your best and take the moments when you can, you know, hone in on those skills and develop those skills and heal that relationship with food when you can. And then the rest is just, you know, there and it just follows and you end up over time um, making and having those skills. But otherwise, you know, you just have to do what you what you can do as a mom. So expecting imperfection, I think, is something we all have to keep in mind with intuitive eating, especially as a mom. Um, 
you can find me at the.nourish.mom on Instagram or katiemassmannutrition.com. And if you're a teacher, <laughs> for some reason, you can also find me at um, the.nourished.teacher on Instagram as well. Awesome. I think that's really awesome. You created a teaching account because actually there was an episode we were just talking about nurses yes. and teachers and how hard it must be to be intuitive eaters. Yes. While you're always on your feet and you're dictated by someone else's schedule and someone else's needs. That's really like you I mean, can't even go to the bathroom when you want to go to the bathroom. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's so hard. I know. So that's really great. Yeah. It's a very, very specific population. And that's, you know, I told you at the beginning, that's what I do with my day job. So yeah, I, know about that but yeah I kind of started a sister account to the nourish mom just uh that's awesome. address those issues as well totally yeah. super great and I love what you said I actually wrote that down expect imperfection I think that's such a I great idea of like reassessing our expectations for us and our relationship with food and you know especially like you said as moms like I can't count how many times mindful eating goes out the window because you're running late or your kid's <laughs> sitting on your lap or you know there's tv in the background or who a whole myriad of things that are going on right you're wiping someone's butt in the middle of your food you're like okay yep. <laughs> uh, how do I be a mindful eating eater in this moment yep. <laughs> you know and some of that has right. to go on the back burner and if you're on a strict diet it goes out the window and you go, well, screw it. I'll just eat this entire tub of ice cream and start again tomorrow. With an intuitive eating perspective of in, in expecting imperfection, you go, okay, well, let's move on and figure something out later. You know, I mean, it's really just, it's not a big deal. You literally just move on and live your life and there's no right or wrong. And I just, what a great place to end. So yeah, that's a perfect place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A perfect place perfect. of imperfection to yes, end. Exactly. <laughs> it's a little ironic that we use that word, yes. but... <laughs> I didn't even think about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on, Katie. We really appreciate it. It was such a pleasure to chat with you Thank and you get so your perspective. Much for having me. Yeah, of course. Yes. Everybody follow her on Instagram. She's got beautiful pictures. Yeah, we'll link everything down <laughs> below. Um, we'll link her website and everything. And I, you know, if you need some real encouragement and kindness in your life, she's she's a really great one to follow. So Yes. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Thank you. Bye. 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 All right, guys. Are you recording? Oh, I'm recording. <laughs> <laughs> <And> Bloopers. <laughs> we hope you guys enjoyed that episode with the Nourished Mom. Yeah, Katie, she's awesome, guys. Sorry if you heard some little ding <laughs> and some lips back and forth. Some, we lost some internet there. Yeah, gosh, those damn internet internet That's people. Right. Those internet people. <laughs> as I'm sitting with a book in front of me about the internet. <laughs> I know. Um, we have a lot of IT books in here. She was uh, struggling to record for you guys through a huge storm in Tennessee. So uh, yeah, Tennessee in your prayers. Yes. <laughs> but uh, thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and share with your friends. And review. And Written review. review. Written review. Um, yeah. So we still have that giveaway going on, you guys. And once we re once we reach 100 reviews, we're giving away the intuitive eating book, the health at every size book, the books that we talk about the most on this podcast, a $25 gift card to Amazon. We're giving away Fit Snack Snacks and Diet Riot merch. You guys, you could be totally merched up with Diet Riot stuff. Yes. Which, I mean, we haven't made any yet, but I already know it's going to be freaking awesome. Yes. I'm seeing leggings and hats. Oh it's going to be great. It's going to be glorious. And if you write in a written review, you may even uh, have the honor of having Brooke read a review on our next podcast. Dun, dun, dun. I'm going to read one right now. I don't. Have we, have we read this one yet? 
Nope. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so this one is from December. The most down-to-earth, honest, and truthful information about diet culture. Your podcast has challenged my thinking about food and the importance of listening to our bodies. Thanks, Diet Riot. Oh, I like that. It's challenging Woo-hoo. my thinking. That's uh, guys, that's important. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Next we'll stars. read one more. Um, and best thing about Tuesdays, I look forward to the podcast every week. Brooke and Alyssa are always entertaining, full of knowledge. They keep it real, provide a no-nonsense approach to navigating a world of diet culture and fad diets. I highly recommend this podcast to anyone that's fed up with gimmicky cleanses, diets, and food challenge is in searching for a way to build a positive relationship with food. So but, well written. Yeah. So thank Jeez, you guys thank for you. those reviews. Um, oh, and awesome. then, yeah, if you guys write a written review, we will read it. And you'll be entered into our giveaway. If you share it on social media and tag us, then you get an extra entry. So um, make sure to do that and you can win our giveaway. But also, more importantly, share us because you like us and because you want other people to, to listen learn. to the podcast and challenge our thinking so that we can all get rid of diet culture. Bullshit. Yes. I mean, stuff. Bull stuff. Bull stuff. Bull stuff. <laughs> While we're on that train, uh, we're going to go eat some Thai food, guys. That's right, we are. Mm -mm -mm. And I'm so excited about it. So uh, see you guys later next week, Tuesdays, because Tuesdays are the worst day of the week. (laughs) All right, guys. See you next week, next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.